everybody, this is Brian Zimmerman. And this is Matt Mikuchi. And you're listening to Jazz Is Crate Digging. Lovely to be back for this brand new episode of Crate Digging. I'm particularly excited about this and because of the topic that will be discussed, but also because for the first time in this series, uh, at least as far as the 2021 episodes are concerned, we actually have guests. That's right. We have company. Someone has come to our little record store of the mind, our virtual record store. <laughs> um, and these are, God, we, we started out on a, a great note here our two guests today um have just released a new duo album together called symbiosis they're both saxophone players one you know from his work with bela fleck and the fleck tones you know from his work with the dave matthews band you know from his own awesome work on uh his label ear up records we're talking of course about the great saxophonist multi-instrumentalist jeff coffin um, he has again just put out a new duo record with another great saxophonist, Derek Brown. Now, a lot of you have probably seen Derek Brown from his YouTube videos. He puts out these amazing beatbox sax slap tonguing, you know, one man band YouTube videos. Uh, he's a monster player. They've paired up for this new album, Symbiosis, which is going to be coming out February 26th on Ear Up Records. So they're both with us here today to talk about what else their favorite duo albums man yeah there's definitely an art to duo albums and over the years of music recording there have been so many great duo albums that you know have been released so it's it's good to get some pointers and suggestions from two great musicians who have actual experience in this field and i'm looking forward to hearing which ones they have chosen for us today totally we let them pick all of the albums this time around you know we put it in the hands of two masters and uh yeah i'm excited too. maybe open my ears up to some new sounds new artists new albums that's what this show is all about after all uh so matt Without further ado, what do you say we bring in our very special guests, Jeff Coffin and Derek Brown? Let's do it. All right. Well, hey, Jeff Coffin, Derek Brown, welcome to the show, guys. Thanks, Thanks for, for having, having us. us. Yeah. Um, well, let me ask you this, because this show is kind of a throwback to the record store days, right? You go in, you dig through the crates, find something to, you know, show off to a friend, turn somebody on to this. Were you were you record store regulars back in the day? Um, yes, absolutely. You know, especially used record stores. And when here in Nashville, we used to have a, a really great tower records. And uh, I would go, you know, my favorite time to go in was late at night when it wasn't a bunch of people in there. And, uh, you know, it was awesome. They'd have the listening stations also. And I just thought it was a really great way to, to sort of explore music. And, of course, with used places, you know, you could go in and, you know, spin records and try things out. And uh, so, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I miss those days. Now more than mm. ever, you know. Yep. How about and you, Derek? I, so I, I was born in 83, so I, I could have been a record guy. However, I'm going to blame this one on, first of all, I hope I, hope I don't get kicked off if I wasn't, but um, I'm going to blame this one on my parents um, <laughs> because we were deep into cassettes and then and then right at the beginning of the CD craze, I was all about that. And so I think I can relate still because I, I, mean, I remember going to lots of CD stores. I remember the first CDs that I would get, my brother and I would like lay on the ground like i'm i'm picturing like a a sleepover you know we're all we, we're all on our on our tummies looking at our CDs and kind of like we're comparing and voting on the best looking covers and mm. we rank them according to that mm. and then we had this like five disc changing CD player i know i'm not supposed to talk about CDs but um i i still get the whole the physicalness of the music and i do miss those days uh and by the way Derek you're still not the baby of this bunch uh, Matt, you were born what? I was born in 89, but I was a cassette kid too, so I okay, totally understand. Okay, way to go. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hey, why, why do you guys assume that I'm, I'm okay, I'm older. <laughs> you know what happens when you assume. Anyway, um, hey, the first record we're going to be talking about um, in this episode of Crate Digging is uh, your new one. Uh, you've got a new record. It's a duo album coming out February 26th. So this, this is a pretty Friday, good one. Yep. We're recording yeah. this on February 23rd yeah. called Symbiosis, huh? Yeah. Yeah. We're very excited about it. Uh, 
Uh, we recorded it uh, what, late 2019. Derek came down yep. from from Michigan uh, to Nashville, and we decided we would we would we would come in as a blank slate with no material and write everything together. And uh, and so Derek, maybe maybe you want to speak a little bit on that. Yeah, and we just basically had four days uh, at Jeff's studio. Um, we you know we 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 turned everything on and just kind of recorded everything from the beginning. Every every note that we played was recorded, and then we'd do a mixture of kind of listening back. We'd get into Jeff would get into Pro Tools and try you know arranging some of the stuff that we recorded. Um, but every the goal was everything's going to be totally acoustic. Um, no overdubbing, um, no electronics, except for one track that we ended up doing. Um, so, you know, when you listen to the album, you'll hear a lot of different sounds, and that's you know, I'm I'm doing a lot of I'm stomping on a on a bait on a like a a box. Uh, I'm, Actually, I'm it's a clarinet he's stomping on. But. <laughs> that's right, over and over. <laughs> um, it was very fun. It's a- and I'm, I'm hitting the saxophone with with rings and then both Jeff and I are doing various, you know, using extended techniques to try to get this kind of full sound. Kind of, We kind of call it our, our a new take on the old duet. Very cool. Yeah. Do you mind if we listen to a little bit here? Please. Yeah. That'd be great. Kind of track. This is a single roundabout again from the new album Symbiosis coming out February, February 26th on Ear Up Records. Love that. And you guys put out a video for that, recording that tune live. And you can see it all. Uh, Derek kind of slapping the Barry Sachs with the ring, the mm-hmm. slap tonguing, of course, stomping that foot box. And I wish we could have played more of that. And I encourage people to check out this video on YouTube because uh, the solos are absolutely killer. That's a great oh, track. Thanks. thanks. Thank you. Yeah. It, was really, it was really fun to put stuff together, you know, from kind of from thin air. And, and, and watch it come to life. It's really, really a nice process. Absolutely. It's on Derek's YouTube page. Derek, you've been posting these videos of the beatbox saxophone for a while now. Yeah, the last, what, I don't know, five, six years. It's kind of become, I guess, my thing. I'm doing air quotes right now. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I studied traditional classical and jazz. I never would have thought that this would have been my thing once again, but I just, I'm, I really love exploring these extended techniques. Um, mostly listening throughout the history of jazz and just other music and hearing different sound effects that people are using and trying to kind of put it all together in my own way. And it's just been this kind of challenge to see, you know, how full of a sound I can get with just an acoustic saxophone. Um, yeah, it's been quite the journey. And now, I mean, it's culminated now with me playing with one of my heroes on the saxophone, Jeff Coffin. I grew up listening with one of those cassettes uh, and then CDs to Bela Fleck and the Flecktones. Um, and that was probably my favorite group for a while. Uh, and yeah, so Jeff's a huge influence. So this is a huge honor for just me to be talking with you guys and with Jeff um, just that we did this project. So yeah, I feel the same way, Derek. Thank you. Yeah, likewise, oh. man. And it is just you and Jeff in the room. This is a duo album. And yep. so in the spirit of duo albums, we've decided that we are going to crate dig our way through some of your favorite duo albums. Woo-hoo. I mean, just the two of us um, of all time. So you selected the albums. I went ahead and picked some tracks to play from this album. So you don't know which tracks I'm going to play, um, but I'm hoping we'll, we'll discuss them a little bit and uh, sure. hear some music. Great. Cool. So let's do some crate digging. Jeff, we're going to start with you. Um, top album on the list was Chick Corea and Bobby McFerrin, the mm-hmm. album Play. 
starting off. So, the and so, let, and let, so let me say that was uh, that was one that Derek chose uh-huh. uh, that I put in the list. Just uh, just so you know. Okay, and, uh, Derek. Well, hey, man. I mean, I think hey. it's I think it's definitely a great idea to start off with chick. I mean, obviously a huge la- loss yes. uh, to the jazz community. So this album is especially uh, poignant now. Chick was such a great communicator, you know, um, because this is your pick. When you listen to this album, what do you hear Chick doing so well with Bobby on this record? Well, I, I mean, I just hear I just hear so much joy in music. And there are few albums that I just that just make me smile so much. Um, and it comes from both players. I mean, I know everyone I haven't I unfortunately never got to see Chick live. Um, and I had only seen Bobby McFerrin live once with another group. Um, but everything I've heard um, about both musicians, they talk like I mean, these are like life changing concerts when you see saw either of these musicians. Um, and of course, everyone knows Bobby McFerrin, you know, he's he's unafraid to just throw anything into the mix, throw humor, um, you know, some seriousness, audience participation. And it's it's I think it's fun kind of hearing him maybe even stretching chick in that way, um, mm. even though obviously he does all that, too. But it's just so fun seeing two just amazing musicians that and they're not even necessarily, you know, jazz music. Who knows what they are? Um, but just doing such a wide range of music and just you you can tell everyone in that in that auditorium is just smiling and having such a good time. And it's just it, it's one of the things that reminds me why I play music. You know, a lot of us professionals, we get beyond, we, it becomes work for us. Um, but this is, this is one of those things that reminds us that, wow, we got into this because it's fun, you know? Totally. Totally. I, uh, his passion for the music is infectious for the people who play with yes. him, for the people who listen to him, who see him live. Um, yeah, what a loss. He will be, we will be sorely missed. I picked That's the true. track they closed with, which happens to be Blue Bossa because uh-huh. I feel like it uh, shows off this wide range of uh, both players' skill sets. So let's listen to a little bit of Blue Bossa. It's like listening to water run down a, a, a brook, you know. Right, just so smooth. Oh, it's you know, I love that Bobby was carrying the bass and the percussion. I know he's the off. rhythm section there, yeah. which is so yeah. great. And so I great. know uh, calling Blue Bossa at a jam session has become like a faux pas, but you know. <laughs> I know. I like playing Blue Bossa. I like playing the easy tunes because you That's can stretch. It's a KD song. That's Kenny Dorham, right? Yeah, yeah genius. I yeah, much love for for uh, KD. Well, you know, here's the thing, man. Like when you hear the originals of those tunes, you understand why they became classics. Mm-hmm, but yeah. the 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 thing to remember is that those tunes had particular arrangements to them. Also, you know, they were they were contemporized by those musicians. Just like like how many times have we ever played Mustang Sally at a gig? I mean, dear God! But you go back and you listen to the Wilson Pickett version, and you're like, oh, dear God! <laughs> you know, for a whole different reason. Yeah, and uh, and you understand why these tunes are are classics. And uh, but there's a spirit to them that doesn't always get translated, you know, like in jam sessions or, or you know, this, that and the other thing. But when you hear it there, it's like, oh, it's it's, it's beautiful. It's gorgeous melody. Absolutely. Nothing but love for Blue Bossa. Mm-hmm. All right. We will move right along. OK, so who picked the uh, Jan Garbarek, Charlie Hayden? It's me. The, yeah. The, yeah. There's other ones with the exception of the Tony Bennett, Bill Evans. Those are those are basically all of mine. More you, yeah, um, yeah. 
but, but I can uh, talk but obviously, about you know, I, Yeah, of I course. I mean, he's checked all these out. You know. <laughs> yeah. So we're talking about the album uh, Folk Songs. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's and, a trio record, so yeah. I, I, I fudged a little bit on that. <laughs> it's okay. But there's You're some, out, intense, there's some intense duo <laughs> connectivity there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah, and Egberto Gismonti, uh, uh, who is, I mean, in my in 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 my thoughts, he's just such an unsung hero of music. He's this incredible Brazilian musician who plays guitar and piano at, at like the most virtuosic level. And uh, and Charlie Hayden is is long been my favorite bass player. And Jan Gabarek, you know, for me is is he's you know like his sound, his his concept have been a huge huge influence in my music. He's such a vocal player, and, uh, and 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 this is one of those records for me that I just I adore. You know, he also gave us one of the best album names in all of jazz, and that would be Nude Ants. So <laughs> that's a Keith Jarrett record. Do you know the story behind that? No. Okay, so, so apparently they were on tour, and and someone from ECM called Keith, and they said, uh, um, you know, what's the name of this new record? And he said, New Dance, <laughs> right? Because there's a song called New dance right. on the album right. right they thought he said new dance which sounds just like new dance and so when the record came in bright red letters across the top said nude ants oh, <laughs> i love the way no one questioned that yeah. right there was like oh yeah new dance sure yeah sure keith whatever you know i'm from keith yeah i mean that's what it calls to mind when you listen to it is oh, that's yeah. all you oh, see in my mind awesome well i have chosen the track equilibrista and uh, I'm hoping we can listen to a little bit of this. Here we sure. go. I chose that track because I just want to show off, you know, in duo recordings, how important it can be to create a sense of atmosphere, which, mm. which I feel like that's what Egberto was doing, you know, totally. that the other players can just kind of swim in, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I mean, you, you nailed it. I mean, just the brilliance of Egberto, he, he created a, a, a sense of place, you know, for, for Charlie and Jan to just be in, to live in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's it inc- the whole record is just incredible, and uh, you know, I, I sometimes you know if if like if I'm in a, a sort of a writing mode, you know, that's one of the records that I'll put on, and I'll just you know I'll just stop writing and just listen, and uh, and then sometimes when I put it on, like I have to take the record off immediately and start writing, you know. Right. <laughs> so there's there's records that are like that for me also, and uh, uh, but yeah, I, I just I love that trio so much. Very cool. And I, I love how kind of deceptively simple some of that can be, you know, like the, I mean, the whole idea of folk songs makes it seem mm. like, oh, these are just going to be simple, um, pentatonic melodies. And, and, but then you listen to that Egberto, you know, the, the accompaniment there and it's just yeah. like so technical, but it doesn't come across as this difficult thing. And right. I think Jeff and I try to get some of that too. We want to just kind of create just like beautiful music and mm-hmm whether you notice how complex it is underneath doesn't really matter. Um, but yeah. And I think that's the goal too, is to, to mask the complexity right? and to make it like, it's like when, when I write an odd meter also, like I want it to feel like it's in four. Right. I don't want people to go, Oh, this is, this is in 13. It's like, I don't even want them to think about it. I just want the, it just, I want it to just feel good, you know? Yeah. And it's the same with this music here. We just tried to, to make music that felt really good to us. Um, that you know captured the emotional uh the component of of what we were looking for emotionally satisfying if you will 
Right. Which is why, even though it's a trio record, we'll let it slide, Jeff. Yeah. Just this once. <laughs> Just this once. That's right. <laughs> Everything else is duo, though. So. That's, yeah. So who wants to talk about the Abdullah Ibrahim? Uh, oh, me, please. Let me talk about that. Oh, God. <laughs> <Is> that? <laughs> that record. Yeah. It's called Good News from Africa. It's Abdullah Ibrahim and Johnny Diani. Yep. And... So this is a record uh, that went, I've discovered a lot of records through the covers because I do a lot of photography. And this was in the jazz section um, at, at a used record store. And, and I found it on CD first. And, and the cover is beautiful. It's a black and white cover. And, and I put it on and, and I was, I was in, entranced from the moment I put it on. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, it's, it's been a very influential record for me. And, and it's, it's messy. It's there's part of it, parts of it that are you know by Western standards, quote out of tune. It's just by the 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 seat of their pants. It seems like you know, and uh, um, there's a, a call to prayer, um, a Muslim call to prayer called Allah Akbar, which every time I hear that man, it just puts me on the floor. You know, it's it's the whole record is so brilliant, and uh, um, just one of it's that's a desert island record for me. For sure. Khayyal al-Salat Khayyal al-Falak Kaat kumati salat Kaat kumati So is that Johnny Diani singing that? You know, honestly, I'm not sure which one it is. But then, then the piano comes in, yeah, and it goes into this whole thing, man. And it is just like, it's it's just absolutely breathtaking. It really is, and that's the beauty of this album. I mean, both of these musicians are so skilled on a number of instruments. Oh yeah, and so mm-hmm. you get to hear a little bit of everything on this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not to mention, these are two very important figures in South African jazz and South African history. Yes. You know, in Absolutely. that they were using their music very intentionally to defy apartheid. Yes. You know, yes. as a political statement by literally integrating mm-hmm. the bandstands. Um, a hugely important record um, between Abdullah Ibrahim and Johnny Diani here. Yep. Um, so, yeah, awesome pick. Thank you. Thanks for playing it. Because of Jeff's pick, we were discussing these, you know, a couple of days ago. I I was just introduced to this yesterday and listened to it for the first time. And yeah, mm. like Jeff said, I was I was blown away. I was not expecting that. And when, you know, I knew it was a piano and bass thing. And when they both started singing yeah. while yeah. playing and yeah. kind of interacting and kind of going on some of these vamps that would just put you in like almost a trance. But yes. it's like, and some of it has almost this like gospel i know it's just so much so many emotions in that album yeah. and mm-hmm. i mean that those my favorite albums are albums that move me emotionally not ones that mm-hmm. impress me or what whatnot and so this totally. one yeah i'm definitely going to be this one's definitely going to be in my heavy rotation so that thanks is, jeff right. that is the best part of crate digging that's what we hope yep. people walk away with yeah. is you know a new <laughs> album to check out um okay cool so who picked uh interstellar space John Coltrane, where she Jeff, definitely picked that one. <laughs> We're just well, and, and, and apparently yesterday was was the anniversary of its recording. Oh wow! I, I, wow, I, which I guess would be was it sixty seven? So however many years that is, you know, lots. And uh, but I was reading yesterday, somebody said, "Oh, it's my birthday," and Interstellar Space was recorded on this day. So uh, oh, very so cool. yeah. So this record um, with John Coltrane and Rashid Ali um, is is extraordinary, and it's it's later Coltrane. Yeah. And really he was, bad. man, he was exploring. He was in the stratosphere. And uh, and this was one of the things that got me really into bells yeah. and gongs and, and the whole deal, you know. 
Yeah. All right. So let's take a listen to a little bit. I was, most songs start with like this huge sweeping like chime um, Mm -hmm. and, you know, long percussion. So I tried to focus on a track that kind of brought Coltrane in early. So I put up the track Leo. Let's go ahead and take a listen to a little bit of that. to you, Jeff, you know, for people who see Coltrane kind of through the window of, you know, mid fifties, early sixties, you know, that period, um, who may be a little reluctant to listen to this later period stuff. Mm -hmm. What can you say to them to, you know, kind of encourage them to open their ears and just, you know, engage with this kind of music? Sure. Well, well, I mean, I'll, I'll say one thing, man, this, this is challenging music to listen to, you know, and, and I think that, With the body of work of any artist, I mean, our, our, our to to sort of paraphrase the great J.D. Salinger, an, an artist's only obligation uh, in any lifetime is to be true to themselves or to, to on on their own terms, you know, and no one's no one else's, and uh, so I, you know, I think that Coltrane was uncompromising in in his pursuit, his his musical and spiritual pursuit. So I think it's. You know, it may not be for everybody, and and that's okay. But, but to understand the breadth of the work, it's like you know, like for me, like the later period of Salvador Dali isn't my favorite Dali, but I can respect it and appreciate that this was the direction the man was going. You know, Kandinsky also, like you look at the like later Kandinsky is very different than sort of the period most people are familiar with. I mean, I've seen his last painting, and it's completely and utterly different than than like his early stuff. Right. And uh, so, so you know, Coltrane had a very short career. He was dead before he was 41. Right. And uh, so, you know, I would say that that even if it's not your thing, like listen to it in respect to, to the artist. Um, I'm sure there's some people who don't like Beethoven's Ninth. They're like, oh, I like the early stuff, you know. <laughs> and uh, Or Fat Elvis again, you know, against, uh, you know, uh, not Fat Elvis. <laughs> you know, it's, it's all within the breadth of the career. Yeah. And, uh, um so I I don't know I just think out of the respect of the artist yeah um you owe it to them to to listen to their body of work yeah same with Picasso you know may, you, you might not like all of Picasso's stuff but you know it's part of it yeah totally totally and for me I often uh, err on the side with my own music art I often err on the side of everything sounding a little too nice all the time I will be a little I'll be afraid of dissonance. Um, and this, this album is like a reminder to me that dissonance is okay. It's real. It can even be cherished. Um, yes, I'm a fan of dissonance that resolves to consonants, but that's not life all the time. And so I think this is just very revealing, um, as an artistic work of, you know, what people, what different people experience in life. And I, so I think it's very, very important to remember that. Well, and something, if I can just as an aside, too, Jan Gabarek in interviews that I've read with him said that the first music he was exposed to was late Coltrane. So that's where he gets his sound from. He thought that the, the sound of the wow. saxophone was like, you know, like expression and in interstellar space. And so that really like hard vocal, like, you know, like Jan sounds. And you, you think about that and you go, oh, well, of course that's his influence. Right. You know, but then you mix that in with, with the folk music of you know, the Scandinavian islands and, and, and all that influence that's there. And uh, it's, you know, I mean, the Nor- Norwegian scene is amazing. It's incredible music. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Very cool to not think about it, Derek, like you're saying, as, you know, opposites, you know, dissonance has to resolve, you know, mm. in, into harmony or consonants. But just these are two acoustic experiences. Let's not judge them. Mm. You know, let's mm. just experience them. Amen yeah. to that. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. All right. Uh, we've got uh, who picked the Keith Jarrett, Charlie Hayden album, Jasmine. So these these are all Jeffs except for the Chick Corea, Bobby McFerrin. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. All right. Well, so this record. So so these are two of my favorite musicians of all time. And they hadn't recorded in 30 years together. Yeah. <clears throat> and this was a record that they did. I, I believe it was in Keith's basement. And th- the first time I heard it, man, I I was openly weeping, and uh, it's like it's just two great friends, obviously making incredibly beautiful music together, and and what struck me, and which also struck me on the Archie Shap Mal Waldron record that I picked, is that at every turn they save each other, like they're so supportive, but they're also catalysts. You know, it's like it's kind of like a just a big hug all the way through the thing. On every tune, you know, and it's is profound. And and in the, I think the next record, Last Dance, um, was the last record Charlie Hayden made before he passed yeah. with Keith Jarrett. Came out of these same sessions, and uh, you know, I just I I thank the musical gods that that they recorded again after so much time because they had those incredible records in the seventies they did together, and then kind of went their separate ways. Absolutely. You know, and Keith just announcing recently that due to some health issues, he may not yeah. be able to perform again. Probably won't ever perform. No, again. Yeah. You know, so another loss, he's still here with us, you know, and, and he's still, obviously we have his body of music, but you know, mm-hmm. seeing Keith Jarrett live is one of the ultimate experiences. Which you know, I was never able to jazz. do, man. Yeah. I caught him at Carnegie. It was the one time I've ever oh, seen him. Carnegie Hall, second lucky row. Man. Yeah. Wow. yeah. Wow. Unbelievable. And just like you said, two masters of you know, improvisation, yes, but it's it's almost something more. It's like spontaneous composing. It's like they 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 found it out of thin air these mm-hmm. beautiful, inevitably written melodies. You know, that yeah. seems so logical. Oh, you just discovered, you know, a masterpiece. So, um, yeah, this is a great it's dialogue. Also, yeah. you know, yeah. it's it's just like a, the most beautiful conversation you've ever yeah. had. So I have selected the track One Day I'll Fly Away, uh, mm. which is probably my favorite from the album. So That was my favorite one. Yeah. When I Let's go ahead and take a listen to One Day I'll Fly Away. trust that's what i hear yes i'll follow you you'll follow me yeah that's what i mean they just save each other at every turn and it's not like they're in danger i'm just saying that they're just there yeah you know and uh oh it's it's unbelievable records very and this album reminds me just you know a lot of times jazz gets a bad rap for being a lot of people think it's overly complex and a lot of us musicians sometimes do that (laughs) too much but this one just reminds me that you know like if music is a language a form of communication sometimes the most effective way to communicate is just through simplicity you know just a Mm -hmm. a beautiful melody a simple bass line um it doesn't need more than that um and yeah this just reminds me of that and, and and encourages me as an artist to remember you know what sometimes you can just keep it simple and that's going to be the most effective thing yeah Yeah. the idea of musical transparency is something that's that's been in my head for you know 30 years and uh it's it's a challenge to get there and uh, that's one of the things on this record with with derek and i um on symbiosis that that 
you know, we were both very conscious of is, is, is keeping the transparency in the music. Absolutely. And I think you definitely achieved that. Um, oh, thank, you. thank you. We'll move on to the next pick. Um, this one is, wow, another jazz hero that we lost recently. That'd be drummer Milford Graves. It's his duo album uh, with the yeah. readist David Murray. Um, their album, Real Deal. You know, a very important figure. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of swam in different circles, you know, then Chikoria, maybe not as visible um, as Chikoria, you know. So again, for people who may not be familiar with the work of someone like Milford Graves, Jeff, what should they be listening for? What What is he a master of? What do you see on display here wow. on this record? Um, I mean, th- th- well, th- there's a documentary called, I think it's called Full Mantis. Is that right? That's on um, Netflix or Amazon. I can't remember which. On Milford that came out uh, maybe two years ago. That's extraordinary. Uh, but Milford was a master percussionist. He taught at Bennington College for 39 years. Um, he was on the ESP label in the 60s and then went underground. You know, and he was studying acupuncture. Um, he was a botanist also. He was a forager. Uh, he also studied um, uh, anatomy, like the heartbeats, um, he discovered kind of a new science of, of medicine with the heartbeats. He was just a, a, a renaissance man. Um, but but the way that he understands rhythm, it's just, it's a different concept. You know, it's not like, you're, it's not like you're listening to Tony Williams. Um, he could play all that, you know, Elvin, Tony kind of stuff, but he just, he went a completely different direction. Very free, very organic. Um, he would vocalize while he played a lot of times also. Um, and there's a, there's a picture floating around from 1960, by the way, of uh, of his band with him on Kungas. Um, the piano player was Chick Corea. Wow. Yeah, Chick was in his band. Wow. In yeah, 1960, Chick get out there. Yeah. 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 No, and, and I uh, love- so Milford is you know unbelievable and a huge influence on me. He is, and just like you were saying, his interest in things like alternative medicine mm-hmm. and natural, you know. Biopathic rhythms. Yeah. yeah I, mean, I think mm-hmm. that influenced the way he understood, you know, musical rhythm. So, yeah, I would say like the rhythm of nature, maybe yeah. is, is a way yeah. you could look at it. Yeah. So, like the rhythm of the, the trees and the wind. Yeah. And, and the way that the, the grass blows and, um, you know, the insects flying. And it's not, it's not that different than the way that, that Aboriginals in Australia play the animals, which is a whole different story. And, you know, something that's unbelievably profound from a culture that's been around for 60,000 years. Yes. Yes. You know? He was a fascinating cat. This is a fascinating album. I mm-hmm. um, queued up the track Stated With Peace, um, right. which I think is just a beautiful, beautiful track. So let's go ahead and listen to that. with the great David Murray on saxophone. Man, that's presence. That's presence. When Milford yeah. <laughs> hops in there, he's got the cymbal crash, and then he's just in there. Mm-hmm. Milford Graves has arrived. Love that yeah. track. Yeah. There's cool. a record that he did on, on John Zorn's label, Zadok, called Grand Unification, which was sort of his his breakout record after having not recorded for, I don't know, like 30 years or something. And it sounds like six drummers, and it's just him, no overdubs. It's unbelievable. Wow. wow. Yeah, grand unification. Um, okay, we'll move right along. Uh, next album we've dug from the crates, Archie Shep and Mal Waldron, mm. Left Alone Revisited. Man, this record. <laughs> That's a great wow. pick, man. I love that oh, album. <laughs> it's so beautiful. And, and again, like like the cover spoke to me. Uh, it wasn't that I wasn't going to listen to it, but the cover was so profound. 
um, with with the two of them on it. And so uh, Left Alone was a record that, that Archie Shep had done with Abdullah Ibrahim, actually. So this kind of ties into the Abdullah Ibrahim uh, tip as well. Uh, so this is with Mal Waldron, and this is a record that's dedicated to uh, Billie Holiday. Mal Waldron played with Billie Holiday for many years as, as her piano player. And so this is all standards. <clears throat> and I hadn't really heard Archie Shep play standard tunes before like this. And it's, again, it was one of these records where I was just in tears listening to this thing, you know, like like the, the profound understanding that he has of this music. Um, he just he just had a new record come out with Jason Moran also. That's right. I think the record's called Let My People Go. Is that the title of it? Uh, I think. Uh, I don't know if that's the title of the album or a single. That's, one of the, that's definitely yeah. one of the singles. Yes. Anyways, just just the, the emotional gut punch that comes from all things Archie Shep. And this record, just the way he emotes. I mean, I think, that, you know, I think Derek and I both agree on that, that the way that musicians emote on their instruments is 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 really what brings us to them, you know, what connects us. When I think of sax players that are able to get a variety of tones from the instrument, Archie's near the top. I mean, just mm-hmm. the, and you watch a video of him playing and you can see his, his embouchure is all over the place. Ooh, yeah, the way sure he's kind is. of like exploring. Yeah. Yeah. It's out at the side. Yeah. And I, I actually did a little bit of research because when I was looking back on his videos in his younger days, he had a much more straightforward tone and i read mm. that when he was like 40 years old he like split his lip from blowing on a berry sax too hard and had to completely relearn his embouchure and he ended up doing a double lip embouchure so for right. sax players meaning you're not your teeth aren't touching the top of the mouthpiece which normally anchors anchors that mouthpiece right there and so it, it, it turned into like something that you know i'm sure it was so terrifying at the beginning but it turned into this to this tool that actually i think helped him feel free to kind of explore even a a wider range of sounds Mm. and what's possible on the on the saxophone and so it's kind of interesting totally very cool well jeff brother this one touched you so deeply i'll I'll toss this to you man what track do you want to listen to oh they're all so good um what's uh um Easy living, nice work if you can get it. Everything oh, happens to me. Oh, no, everything happens to me. Do that one. Oh, boy. Here is Everything <laughs> Happens to Me, Archie Shep and Mal Waldron. Oh. Again, so vocal in yeah. in the approach, you know, and and I believe him. Like you, you, you read the lyrics of this tune, and it's like, oh, I believe you. I told- Black cats creep across my path until I'm almost mad. Yes, I must have roused the devil's wrath because all my luck is bad. You, on and on, and I'm like, oh, I believe it. I believe every word, totally. every syllable that you're playing. Everything about that track right there just communicated real like human heartbreak. You felt it. Yeah. Between the chord yeah. changes, Archie <laughs> Shep's playing, Mal, I mean, just everything about it. Your heart physically hurts as you listen, yeah. in, in the best possible way. Yes. Um, but uh, great pick. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. All right. We'll close then the last album from The Crate. Uh, and we're closing on a very high note here. It is the famous Tony Bennett, Bill Evans duo album, self-titled a classic 
iconic, legendary. Um, who wants to talk about this album? Oh, you got it, well, Derek. Go, baby. Okay. <laughs> well, I mean, I would just say, I mean, Bill Evans, when you think of the word lyricism, you know, a lyrical player, Bill Evans often comes to the top for yeah. piano playing, you know, just the sensitivity and the emotion that he can get out of that piano. And so I love that this is him doing that now where you're hearing the words by such, you know, an iconic singer, a lyricist. Uh, well, I guess he didn't write the lyrics, um, but Tony Bennett. And so just kind yeah. of, you know, combining the 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 literal words with maybe the most lyrical player at least in piano playing, uh, is just, you know, just a match made in heaven for me. And, you know, harmonically, Bill Evans was so forward thinking, you know, really kind of changed mm -hmm. the landscape of jazz piano harmony. Mm -hmm. I'm curious, you know, because both of you guys are, are sax players, has any of Bill Evans's harmonic approach influenced the way you think about your constructing your own lines? Hmm. Yeah, I would say yes, for sure. I mean, I've listened to a lot of Bill Evans over the years. And and to me, like, not only is Bill Evans incredibly thoughtful, but he's he's very impressionistic with the way that he plays. It's almost like if I had to pick a painter, it would be, you know, Debussy, um, or, or rather a... Um, um, uh, rather Monet. like Monet, right. Debussy, yeah, <laughs> Debussy wasn't a painter, um, <laughs> but like like the impressionistic period of Monet or Renoir, um, and, and and it's like there's a depth to the softness, yeah, and uh, and, and again there's a real um, accessibility to to what he plays. It's it connects, and uh, you know, I mean, he was he was Miles's first choice for you know many records and you know miles's favorite piano player was apparently chopin classically mm -hmm. um you know the music of chopin right and uh and then you listen to bill evans you go oh well of course he picked bill evans <laughs> yeah it's all connected. you know yeah uh well derek you know i was going to cue up my foolish heart as my favorite track from the album but oh, you can certainly so veto you know, you. This I'm not going to veto cool. any album, any song from that album. So. Okay, cool. Well, then this is my foolish heart uh, from Tony Bennett and Bill Evans' duo album. The scene is set for dreaming love's knocking at the door but oh my heart i'm reluctant to start for we've been fooled before the night is like a lovely tune Beware my foolish heart How white the ever-constant moon mm. Great pick to end on, guys. Oh, what a beautiful, beautiful record. So Yeah, and one of the things I love about just duo recordings in general of course they're more rare than a, a typical combo but like in this collaboration with tony and bill is i mean the space that it leaves just allows mm -hmm. you an, a level of intimacy that you don't normally get from a full combo you know like i mean i love a great drummer using brushes right but when they're just constantly filling the sound you're not going to hear every little t and every breath that tony right. makes and right. it just makes it that much more personal it's like he's just right there in front of you in your living room you know the two of them yeah, are just doing a, a concert in your living room i was just thinking that derek i was going to say this kind of the same thing it's like i think the common denominator with a lot of this stuff is that what brings us to the music is that you feel like they're speaking directly to you mm -hmm. you know and 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 again that's you know I, for me and i think derek also that's what we're trying to do i mean look derek has like 40 million views on on social media yep. you know and and so he people feel like he's directly speaking with them you know and and when we're out touring with Dave Matthews we have 15 20,000 people and people feel like we're directly speaking to them 
Yeah. You know, and it was with the flectones, it was the same kind of thing. So so what's the common denominator in all of this is that there's a connection and, and there's an intimacy to this. Um, you know, there's a brilliant young saxophone player named Emmanuel Wilkins, yeah. who I think has that same quality. I think that people really feel like he's speaking to them. And Deduzo Makathani, also this South African piano player on Blue Note, an, you know, another one, you know, where, where there's this beautiful intimacy. And there's many like that now. Uh, but these records in particular, for me personally, I, I just feel like I'm in the room with them. They distill that down, that essence mm-hmm. of communication. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. All right. Well, hey, guys, thank you for joining us for this uh, guest edition of Crate Digging. This was awesome. Uh, yeah. thanks. Thank you very much, guys. Great. Thanks for having us. And you know, super for, fun uh, for everyone listening. You know, we encourage you to check out these albums. Um, let us know on our Facebook page which are some of your favorite duo albums. That is the whole point of Crate Digging. Again, we're recreating the virtual record store, the record store of the mind. Um, mm. Yeah, thanks once again to my guests uh, Jeff Coffin and Derek Brown. Their new album, Symbiosis, out Friday, uh, February twenty sixth. That correct, guys? Correct, this Friday, yeah. This Friday. You could pre-order it now. It's coming out on uh, this Friday on Ear Up Records. It's one to add to your crate for sure. All right, Matt, that was very cool, man. Yeah, that was really great. I enjoyed that that a hell of a whole lot. Um, Those were some awesome albums. And just to hear what these two masters of their instruments had to say about them was a very, very diggable experience, as they say. Um, Matt, uh, that's it for this episode. That's right. Oh, it's, it's been great. It's been fascinating. Some of the albums that were mentioned today I wasn't familiar with, so I'll definitely have to go back and check them out, as well as their album, too, uh, which I'm sure that I'll be listening to and enjoying soon. That's right. Symbiosis coming out again February 26th on Ear Up Records. If you are listening to this podcast and you think someone else might like it, please help us spread the word. Rate us on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Spotify, wherever you download your podcasts. Uh, give us a rating drop us a comment that really helps us uh, again spread the word about this podcast and visit us over on jazzis.com that's where we're always putting up our song of the day posts our weekend jazz posts we've got videos we got high res streaming we've got digital back issues everything you could possibly want is there at jazzis.com you can subscribe now we have plenty of subscription options for you including our legacy subscription which includes the quarterly print magazine unlimited access to the site and eight quarterly collector quality cds sent directly to your mailbox featuring some of the biggest names in jazz plus some names you should probably be aware of uh that's all happening over on jazzes.com as is our vinyl club uh, this is a brand new venture we're launching matt uh, it's kind of a subscription curated vinyl club every quarter we will send you a brand new vinyl album for your listening pleasure featuring tracks that were handpicked by us the jazz's editors uh it's very cool look you got your coffee subscription club you know you've got your recipe subscription club out there why not sign why not sign up for a vinyl subscription club man now's the time anyway wanted to again thank our guest jeff coffin and Derek brown uh check them out online and matt everyone listening we'll see you next week for another episode of crate digging see you guys so long everyone bye-bye